0: is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have with me today Brittany Spanos from Rolling Stone. Hey, Brittany. Hey. And John Dolan from Rolling Stone. What's up? Hey. So you may have noticed that we are almost at the end of 2016, and what a year it's been. Uh, (laughs) And uh, in addition to other events, there was some music released this year, and we just put out our list of the top albums of 2016. I want to talk about putting this list together and also just the general... What was this year like in music? What, what what do you think sums up this year in music, Brittany?
1: I mean, so many big artists released an album this year, which was really crazy. I mean, we had new music from Kanye, from Beyonce, from you know David Bowie, and just like everyone who is a massive presence in pop music and the mainstream music world, especially. It was a big year to see these massive and incredible albums right
0: rihanna drake like every every sort of top current pop thing kind of had came out with something Mm -hmm. britney even you know like yeah Yeah, gaga everyone had something this year john you were saying before it was a a pretty strong year right i mean Uh, yeah i think this
2: year considering sort of how everything else in the year was so terrible like if you looked (laughs) at politics if you looked at just everyday life you've looked at celebrity deaths it's like there was nowhere to go um to sort of feel any sense of solace or any sense of kind of escape or any sense of, uh, you know, the music, I think was phenomenal this year. It was a year that had, it was hard to make this list. There were so many albums In um, making our singles list, which is also in this issue um, that was also incredibly hard. It's just, it was, a, it was a, a, a remarkable year for, for music, um, especially the way music I think mirrored the year and kind of almost combated the year. I mean, all these albums are some more obliquely than others. Are in conversation with the social events of the year. Just yeah, in, in, you know, we could talk about. We can go through the list and talk about how that happens. But, but it was a year where I feel music um, not only helped us kind of. It was a place to go where we could escape, but it was also a place where you could kind of have resilience and confrontation, which was also obviously important. It's more important as the year got on. Obviously,
0: do you guys think in lists? Now this is an interesting thing. Now, now, I'm, I'm not a music critic. I've sometimes played one in print, but I, I just I, it's not really my strength. Um I, I, I'm. I'm in an interesting place as someone who does a substantial amount of my writing is about music but I, I really do prefer interviewing people and it does involve some critical thinking obviously mm-hmm. it, you know thinking like a critic and I've written Music Chris but there's the way my brain works, I realize, is outside of the way many music critics work, and I, I think I don't think if you guys exemplify the there, there's a kind of music critic who thinks in lists constantly. <laughs> They're like, "This was my top ten singles of like this month," and they they can just you know what was? How about 1998? Uh, and mm-hmm. they can do that. Right. Do you guys think naturally in lists, or, or is is it something that you have to kind of apply yourself to that?
1: I mean, sort of in. Short form list. I feel like mostly with singles, I think that way. Like every week, I'm like, okay, these are the singles I've been listening to a lot, or like this is like the top songs. And even those, though, sometimes end up being like a mixture of like new and old stuff. So my brain is kind of not, it's not thinking of that constantly, and it's not in a very like, you know, linear or organized way.
0: How
2: about you, (laughs) Joe? When when I I guess when I first started, you know, being a music critic, a rock critic, they, they, they would. That was something I put a lot of thought into. The Village Voice would have do its peasant job every year. They do this critics poll where you can, every critic sends in their top ten albums and their top ten singles and their top five reissues and their top this EPs and whatever. And you spend all this time going over it and over it. And <laughs> I, I noticed as the years progressed, I cared less about it until the point where I stopped doing it. But like, I just definitely think lately in my life. Because the thing is this these it's 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 changeable. I mean there's there's any, yeah. you know, your aesthetic choices just in life are gonna be going back and forth. Your life changes, your needs change, and I think this kind of this idea of a kind of a white room place where you can put the top ten albums like it's a laboratory is Kind of absurd. And I mean, eventually you do make a call and say, I guess this is the, we made our call. But I think this, what's nice about our list is it's a collaboration. It's not just one person mm-hmm. goes and goes, here's what they are. We talk about it and we come up with it and we, we, we kind of leverage opinions and things like that. And so I guess I think that it's a, it's a little bit of a fool's game. It can be a fun fool's game. Yeah. But um, I do think that like it's good. What I like about doing this one is we do it together.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You were saying, John used to work at uh, Spin Magazine, uh, back when it was a magazine. Right. And, and you were saying in the year 2000, <laughs> you guys chose to, you made Kid A number two, and yeah. what did you make number one? Well, the funny thing, so well, the, uh, we were sitting around
2: in this meeting, and we were looking at the, at the records that had come out, and I think it says a lot about the times that, like, we decided that nothing seemed like the number one album, which, in retrospect, is nuts because Kid A and Stankonia both came out that year. So we were like a Outcast. So it was like clearly the the defining album of the 21st century came out, and we were like, well, I don't know, is it really? So we picked because this is when kind of the Napster had just kicked in, and we thought we were being clever. And we we the number one album we called it Your Hard Drive, and we put a picture of a Mac on the number one slot because it was like you know it was supposed to be like empowering the reader and the fan or whatever. It was like
0: a bubble iMac. It was. It was. It was. Like, like like, it was the
2: pink thing. Like you know. <laughs> and like it was kind of like when Details Magazine put a reader on the cover. It was like we're going to you know really have democracy in action. But it was like that was our notion. And like you know I guess in a certain way it was as stupid ideas go. It was like kind of ends up being the, it is what has happened. I mean we've, that is the history of music in the last fifteen years. But Kid A is a pretty good album.
0: Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> the other reason I bring that up is because we were also talking about. So, there was a thing like, yeah, your hard drive, it was like the atomization of music into not even singles, just like discrete songs. That was a thing that seemed to be happening. And then, uh, as both of you guys mentioned, one of the big changes has been streaming is now overtaking downloads. And streaming does seem to be more album-friendly, right?
1: Yeah. I think also just the idea of the album as, the, as an event has yeah. come back a lot. And, I mean, I think that definitely came from... Beyonce releasing her self titled yeah. as a surprise release, and I mean the surprise and thing, release and, thing. and things
0: like Daft Punk, yeah, like like the way Daft Punk kind of like reembraced the throw. It was a it was a thing mm-hmm. that I think started a couple of years ago, but yeah, a got, lot of yeah. comebacks. Yeah. Like I mean,
1: it's really turned the album at a time when singles were becoming just the greatest point of like the. Hierarchy of music, but right, right. it like made it an event again. It made it something to be excited for and also kind of like fearful of when someone was going to drop something in a lot of ways. As journalists, absolutely.
0: I think that's true. It's so funny. I think that music journalists have like. <laughs> have the most distorted thing but yeah it's like I think they have basically like PTSD about a surprise album drops because it's always like you know Christmas Eve guess what like like Bruce Springsteen and Beyonce released the album together surprise it's like no we need the review up in an hour we gotta hurry up it's like this is people are talking about this
2: no I mean what Brittany said is really true I mean you know I do think that if you look if we dial it back say five years I think there was a sense that the, the music the way people were, iTunes and sort of things like that and downloading had atomized music to the point where like cohesive works were kind of just a, especially the kind, you know the sort of uh, cohesive achievements that everyone kind of gathers around it was kind of a thing of the past and it was just like we would do these lists I remember a couple years ago doing this one and being like boy I feel like every record on this list could be number four <laughs> but now I feel like, the, like the Beyoncé album being. I mean, there was a time I think where I felt like an album like Lemonade probably would never happen again. Yeah. Like so it just yeah. having that kind of space, like it is remarkable how close it is. Like there was just a sense well, there'll never be another Nevermind. There'll never be another London Calling. There'll never be another Highway 61 Revisited. And this album is literally all those albums. It's you know, it's, it's she is kind of it's the it's this is a great album year, probably the best album year maybe since the 90s, and it's capped off by. A classic, a true classic album, a five-star album that will, you know, that stands will stand the test of time the way those other records did.
0: Yeah, let's step back and, and make it clear that our number one album of the year, uh, and we'll be kind of going through the list in in, in a weird, inscrutable order, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the but we will start at number one and the number one album of the year. I think by total consensus among like literally everyone who has even the Vegas connection to Rolling Stone. I didn't ask Cameron Crowe, but maybe, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, that Lemonade by Beyonce is the number one album of the year I, I just the other thing is right no one like literally no one disagreed I mean, with this even right? like yeah. you know
2: like Stereo Gum an indie, indie website put up there it's number one there it'll be number one I assume on Pitchfork unless they try to do something silly but like it's <laughs> it's just it's gonna be the I'm number one album I'm not familiar
0: with the, the side no I'm just kidding <laughs> oh. <laughs> well you know um, yeah
1: um, you know what's fascinating too is building on like that our conversation about like the singles and everything like Beyonce and Rihanna Drake like those artists were like the mm-hmm. the leaders of Singles-based music. I mean, like they were they built off of having number one hits or like having these massive unavoidable singles. And you know, looking at our list, like they released some of the most solid like bodies of work this year, Um, which is fascinating to see. At that change, especially like Beyonce in the last couple of years, I think people weren't expecting that shift for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's interesting. I mean, with Rihanna, I think, and you know, we'll probably get to it. But Rihanna, I think, definitely wanted to be seen as an album artist mm-hmm. with the album she put out i personally am not totally convinced by rihanna the album artist versus like i just don't think she's anywhere in the league as an album artist mm-hmm. of beyonce or solange or anyone else with the last name no, well, no. I mean, like, <laughs> no but but or or like a lot of other people frank ocean whatever i just yeah. I, I, it feels a little bit like someone trying something that that's not necessarily it's interesting mm-hmm. but anyway but but going back to it Man, Beyonce, how much does she get it? Just get it as far as like what a great album is. This is someone you know. It's interesting. I was preparing for a possible Beyonce cover story, um, which maybe will still happen. Come on, Beyonce, we want to. Have a <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and, and so I was really, really preparing. One of the things I did was I read um, the I think it's the Tamborelli book on 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 Beyonce, and it, which is you know I actually kind of recommend it. It really. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things it does is it draws from the, the depositions from all these Destiny's Child lawsuits. And in these depositions, you have like massive amounts of under-oath descriptions of exactly how Destiny's Child started, exactly what the road was to Beyonce. And for Beyonce, Beyonce went through a homemade version of like a Motown training school in the mm-hmm. 60s like and she is steeped in the history of popular music of yeah. the 20th century and i think she you know i think we we've talked about this this album is so many different kinds of albums and i think of it's also i would say a very deliberate statement on her part a statement that you know people talk about Beyonce in the, like went from talking about Beyonce to talking about like Beyonce in all capital letters, you know, mm. like just as this like goddess basically. And I think when people start talking about you that way, there's a few ways you can react: is you can sort of run and hide, um, the Dylan model, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can right exactly, you know, and and or you can like freak out, <laughs> the Michael Jackson model, or <laughs> right, well, yeah, yeah. There's a few other, you know, yeah. or you can be like, you know what, I'm. You can say, you know what, maybe the stuff I did wasn't quite justifying the way they're talking about me, I'm going to make something that actually lives up to the way that people, to what people should be expecting from me. Well, the organic
2: progression from her, of her career, as you kind of describe oh, yeah. it, is going from like, you're in a girl group, then you're this dominant singles artist, then the singles start to take on, like single ladies, a little more of a biographical quality, and they start you start to show more control of your career and more control of your image, and then you start to show more of a, a sense that you want to make work with new artists and new producers and make kind of maybe more ambitious works and then arriving at this record, which is on so many levels, like it, not as, 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 you know, first of all, it's a collection of songs that are all great, but as like, it's got autobiography, it's got politics, it's got, it talks about music history, it talks about regional history, it talks about, it seems to hit everything you'd want, um, you know, she plays with her image on the record too, because there was, you know, the census. Is she really talking about her marriage. Is she playing a game out of her marriage? Is it about masks and things like that? Everything you want from a record is on this thing. It's mm-hmm. like one stop shopping for all the reasons we like albums. She literally, there's a country song. Yeah, and then, yeah, there's I mean, a Jack White song. And a yeah, I mean, like, song. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and, then, and, a, and a rock song, yeah, you know, a Jack White song. And, and uh, I like how Jack White is the genre where, where you're yeah. saying rock. But we're like, we're
2: like, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> we're like
1: <laughs> Jack
2: White. Love that Jack White stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's my favorite uh, serious channel. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I. I'm so fascinated by celebrity and how celebrities use that in their music and their art that they create. And I think Beyonce as someone who, I mean, with the release of her first surprise album and I think, you know, kind of surprise, I mean, this one was kind of a surprise, but um, her first like actual surprise album, that really established her Mm -hmm. as the all caps Beyonce. And I think what she did with that, I mean, releasing formation and releasing such a political song, which we constantly, I mean the demand of fans is that celebrities speak out, especially in the last few years. And yeah. we demand that more and more and we notice more when people don't say anything. And for Beyonce to make a song about police brutality and make it set in New Orleans and to make this huge statement was so shocking. Especially at the Super Bowl. At the Super Bowl. Yeah. And like as someone who never was really political, I mean, yeah. too much. I mean, she doesn't do a lot of interviews and a lot of things like where she has that sort of way of doing that. But I mean, to make that such an important aspect of this album overall, this album that's about so much about, like, black love and black legacy and, I mean, this being steeped in history. I mean, I I wrote something about her reclaiming um, the black female rock tradition.
0: Yeah, that was a great piece. I was going to mention that. Yeah, no, she, she reclaimed a a big area of musical history Mm -hmm. and kind of, like, I think she picked up the stream. I mean, that comes a lot
1: from the blues and Americana, which was also... Pretty much created by black women. And I mean, the voices of black women created a lot of those genres. And for her to take that, and I mean, that was so controversial for so many people. And I mean, those are two of my favorite songs on there. Yeah. I mean, don't she, Hurt Yourself. She and makes the,
2: those genres, though, all seem so natural. Like mm-hmm. when she was on the CMAs or whatever, or when she goes on and does these things at a, at a, at a, at a an event, uh, sort of a spectacular event, like a, such a normal American 50 yard line event as a Super Bowl, she's able to kind of like the way she kind of made feminism this word that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what I have a. Good friend who was a high school teacher, and she teaches high school English. And like when she would say, you know, oh, you know, feminists. These like twenty years ago, there would be a real reaction. But then when Beyonce basically sort of has entered these ideas back into mainstream discourse, and has made, she's just so good at sort of taking the culture around her and making it her own, very much in like a Bowie way, um, very much in a, you know, I guess in a Springsteen way as well, because she obviously is, gets so much warmth from the kind of, from her many, many audiences. I mean, it's, 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 it's a real achievement to be able to, to, to take things that are controversial or, or subversive and make them seem everyday and normal and kind of beloved in culture.
0: An interesting point about Beyonce and rock music is that, um, there was a moment when Destiny's Child, when Destiny's Child lost that talent show, that I think is actually there's a there's a moment that maybe. Oh uh, she I'm, uses it in Yeah the, yeah, exactly yeah. It's on the album the, They lost it to like A hair metal band mm-hmm. And she really took note of that uh, From what I understand And, and so yeah. she was like I'm taking that shit on too Like I'm, <laughs> like, like, nothing is not mine You know and, and I think that that's One of the many Fascinating things about that So we're talking about The uh, greatest albums of 2016 uh, We're gonna take a break And be right back Came into this world Daddy's little Terima kasih. So, you guys, is the Moana soundtrack on the best albums of the year?
1: <laughs> should be. <laughs> number 51. Okay.
0: It's just barely okay. make the year. Really, I, I must say, I'm really digging it right now. Um, <laughs> but um, So, we were talking about Beyonce. And the other thing about Beyonce is that her sister made one of the other great albums of the year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Solange. And that's, what, number 11 on our list? I'm looking right now. I'm okay. f- turning pages. So you I can this hear isn't pages. very good for radio. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But this is how it is. Paper.
2: Yeah. Uh, number, number 11 it is. Yeah. Brittany wrote the blurb, so she should yeah. talk about this right
0: yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so you know, we we've been talking. I, I keep bringing this up. It's so weird that two siblings would separately make two of the best albums of of a year is mm-hmm. pretty much unheard of.
1: And two incredibly unique albums that yeah. stand on their own separately. Like it's, I feel like it was. It's very difficult in my head to compare them in any way because they just they're such personal experiences for both women and. Yeah,
0: I mean, listen, the Solange album is good enough that I saw someone Someone was, like, dissing us <laughs> for putting Beyoncé as number one, and but their take was, it's not even the best album by a Knowles sibling. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and it's like, which is, like, whatever. But, but but I mean, it, it is interesting that it's good enough that someone could attempt to make that argument. That's why God uh, invented the internet for arguments like that. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and in a minute I want to hear a, a song from the, the Solange album. Mm-hmm. What, what should we play? Cranes in the Sky, yeah. definitely. Okay, cool. But, I, I mean, the... The Solange Solange album is like a warm bath musically and really bracing Mm -hmm. lyrically, I would say.
1: I mean, Solange's musical journey has been so fascinating over the course of, I mean, coming out of the shadow of Destiny's Child and of Beyonce. I mean, she did a lot of sort of 70s retro-y soul in like the early 2000s. And then she had this massive turn in, I want to say 2012, where she worked with Dev Hines, and she made an of, incredible EP. Yes. Blood Orange, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, he made inc- she made an incredible EP called True, and that was this huge sort of indie rockish shift yeah, that she, be- she made. She
0: became like a, a hipster favorite, yeah. and kind of augured this hipster interest in R and B that that has become a huge thing. You know. You know, and then then Mm -hmm. kind of then basically said if you don't know Brandy album tracks like Stop Weighing In My Thing because Mm -hmm. I'm not just for hipsters. I I want I wanna be I'm in this continuum of R and B and you better know about it. But anyway, that's it was this beautiful fusion
1: of like there's a lot of Africana and a lot of R and B and indie rock and all fused together in her E P and then so it's been a while since she released any new music and she'd been kind of teasing this album she released her or she started her own label and then all of a sudden the biggest surprise I mean one of the biggest surprise musical twists of the year was Solange releasing A Seat at the Table which is this incredible another story about Black Legacy and about um, her experience dealing with the sort of depression that came with diving into her emotions for this album and about Black womanhood and it's incredible
0: I really love it Uh, can can we play that uh, one try
1: I tried to drink it away
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really organic music making going on in that record, a lot of live sounding instruments, Mm -hmm. a lot of like amazing, we didn't hear it so much in that moment, but, but some like amazing harmonies that I like even better than what... Beyonce does, you know, yeah. like the, There's obviously like there's there's obviously a deep gene for harmony among other things in the <laughs> yeah. in the, in the uh, Knowles family. We were saying back to the sibling thing. I mean, it's like it's basically unprecedented. It's uh, John was saying it's like if the Gallagher brothers, <laughs>
2: we're both yeah left and we're both good,
0: like, yeah, both amazing. <laughs>
2: or I think I think that you brought the Jacksons. I think I think you mentioned. I mean, it's like if
0: Thriller and Control came out the same year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very, very much like that. So it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, and, and they're, you know, it, it speaks. <laughs> it's spe- that 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 Knowles, uh that you know, don't mess with the Knowles sisters. Really. Um, I mean, they're so, different. Oh, sorry. Yeah. they're
2: just the the way these records are. are it's true. You, you don't even need to mention them together, and mm-hmm. that's what's kind of amazing about it. I mean. The you know the Beyonce record comes at you so hard with so much and it's so basically her thing is just you know kind of she just dominates you with this record. The nice thing about like you say is the musical mood of this record is relaxed, even if the subject matter is Mm -hmm. incredibly intense and difficult and and like you say bracing. And I think that kind of fits with a lot of the theme of some of the records, especially in R and B right now. This new expansive, Mm. ambitious, album oriented and you know and, and records the Frank Ocean record, which is on our list number four, it's very similar where you. It's kind of is asking you to spend time with it. Like this is, you know, like it's, it's asking you to live in it. And because basically, because of in the streaming era, this gets back to the screen, streaming iTunes streaming downloads thing. Is you know, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. So you can really just have a relaxed conversation with it without this agonistic relationship that used to happen with albums. They, you know, especially in R and B, where for so long it was the most commercially hidebound style of music it was like based on singles it was based on radios based yeah. on videos now it's kind of entered this era of freedom which is not unlike what it did in the early 70s yeah we were mm-hmm.
0: talking about this yesterday I mean it's like I mean it, there's obviously huge precedent for an era of great R and B albums, and it's yeah. the '70s, you know. And it's like, like I mean, th- that's the w- for politically engaged, mm-hmm. ambitious, concepty R and B albums. Th- yeah. th- th- that, that's it's, it, we're really returning to that era of this the '70s, and that was, was about
2: artists getting freedom from a commercial hierarchy as well. When Marvin Gaye was like, "I'm going to make this record. I'm going to do it here." I might do it somewhere else, but I'm going to make what's going on. and You're going to have to deal with it. And He did it, and it entered this whole new era where other artists could do it, you know, as well. And this is kind of the same thing of just once the sort of uh, strictures of of the industry are, are are gone, you can see freedom happens. And this is a, a year I think this really came to fruition on a lot in a lot of different ways. And of yeah. course, also, I mean, it's the legacy of Prince and a million other yeah, artists absolutely. who
0: weren't in the '70s. But but I, I, there's there's just something about the commonality of, of, of it, it, no. it. It's just reminding me of the what's going. Yeah, on. Yeah, the legacy there. of yeah. Sign of
2: the Times yeah. on all these records is that,
0: there. That, that's yeah, the other yeah, right if you be. want to go more recently yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah
1: these are all albums that really demanded you to listen mm-hmm. twice like right. i don't think i've like heard such a string of albums that really demanded you to like sit down and like listen to them because it just like nothing was everything just made so much sense together and like how do you
0: just, how do you how do you guys listen to albums like a, a whole album Doing on the subway sp- on the subway okay yeah.
1: The train is my favorite place to listen. See, to See, this album. is
0: where my my uh, my bike commute is screwing this all up because I would die mm-hmm. if I listened <laughs> yeah, to the entire that. album yeah. on that thing. So it, it's an interesting thing because I, I can't concentrate on an album while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, not not really. I can't listen to like a whole album if I'm really writing. So it's just tricky. I, I you know I, I walking is a thing. Like when when I walk, I, it's I mean, my favorite is a thing. thing. Or, or exercising. Thing. You're you know? at
2: your computer yeah. usually or at yeah. somewhere and you've got this. You've got you know streaming thing open and you're kind of doing that and it's so easy to kind of. Bounce around. You do have to be somewhere isolated. Like the nice thing about the subway is, eventually, that you you can start the album, and at certain stops you go under and you get don't get any service anymore. But the thing keeps playing, so you're stuck with it. You can't if you, (laughs) you you can't move around. So like today, I was listening to Frank Ocean. I was like, this is you know I'm in this thing. I'm sitting in it, and it was a good way to do it because attention spans are terrible now including mine and it's yeah. good to be and he's thinking you know I spent four years on this you can spend an hour right? and so it works out that it ended up being a great experience and it's you know it's happened before and like, I think a lot of these albums I mean the Kanye record is like this as well mm-hmm. you know they need you to be with them
0: yeah. yeah. I think, you know, for a lot of people in the rest of the country, it's driving, yeah. which is the ideal, yeah. That, yeah. like a long drive is the ideal way to, to, to listen <laughs> to an album. But it, it is an interesting thing that I think people don't talk about much is like, how do you accommodate this? And, you know, it's like when I talked to David Gilmore about Dark Side of the Moon, he was saying that like the way they pictured it is, you know, people, <laughs> you know, you put, you, you sort of dim the lights, you put on the LP. You sit down and you you know you probably get super high and you listen to the album and that and and that was like a and you know and obviously there were things about the LP era and obviously people listen to vinyl now mm-hmm. especially that, now that, yeah yeah that demand your that demand your attention yeah. you know and it, because you're putting the thing on it's like you went to all this trouble yep. <laughs> you better listen to it. <laughs> no I,
2: I noticed that I, I was I got these Kingsley issues on vinyl and I yeah. was like gonna I had this happen last night I'm playing yeah. these records I'm listening to these records more than I usually do yeah and more than I have in the past
0: yeah
1: and I think sometimes especially when I'm reviewing an album I like to listen to it off my headphones at least twice yeah. like I like to like yeah. actually see if it fills a room if it sticks out to me if I if it can grab my attention enough from whatever else I'm doing or if I get too distracted like is this album going to like make this room everything in this room stop
0: right well i mean it's funny there's a again not a music critic but there's a thing a very basic thing when I'm sort of, if I'm just checking whether I think something's worthwhile or whether, you know, and I'm, I'm putting on a new album, it's like, do you want to keep listening to it without thinking about it? Do mm-hmm. you does it? Is it calling to you to, like, pay attention to it and keep listening to it? And that's, like, a very basic thing that I think sometimes maybe some music critics who are looking for things that are very difficult and very complicated sometimes mm-hmm. forget, like, do I really want to listen to this, or is this, <laughs> is it more interesting than it I is I mean, good, that's why you know? should, be,
2: I mean, before you write about something or, or yeah. really sort of put your thoughts together, unlike, you know, obviously, like watching a movie, unlike in a reading book, you I think you have to play it five or six times yeah. because it's shocking what you will notice, just really like notice literally about it, but also just see, then you really can tell not just if it's good or bad, but how it kind of lives with you in your life. Like you're saying, like if you're doing the dishes mm-hmm. and something strikes you or whatever it is, like yeah. that's when you, because music is, it's, it's in people's lives in a way that these
0: other art forms, they're not. Mm-hmm. Is the flip side of streaming that it's harder to, and this is more about the digital era in general. And the one hand, yes, it's easier to immerse yourself because it's right there, and it, you know you don't have to pay for individual albums. But it's also, what about the fact that like all of recorded music yeah, is That's available to you at any given moment? How does that How does that affect attention spans and the you know the ability to focus on new albums?
2: Well, I think it makes it a lot harder. I mean, yeah. not, and, that, and it's, that's why it's good to be somewhere isolated and just say, this is what I'm going to do right now. Take a walk, you know, and, and and do that kind of stuff because it's right if you're... And the, the, just the natural function of just the, the natural feeling of having a phone or sitting in front of a computer is inherently kind of makes you kind of zippy. Mm-hmm. And so you tend to want to bounce like, oh, I listen to a few of these. I'll listen to this. I'll listen to that. And, you know, you start making playlists and things like that. And I think you do have to go
0: away from that a little bit and just kind of live with these things. I think my, yeah. my counterintuitive... Think piece that I just came up with is actually the availability the availability of all recorded music against you know whatever your current thing is is actually making music better because people are like I better make a freaking classic or else why would anyone listen to it when they can listen to what's going on with just as easily. Yeah, you know? I mean
1: it's it's much easier to go with the single that you're sort of inundated with on radio or out whenever you're going and everything and or to listen to whatever you're familiar with like albums from you know when you were a teenager that you listened yeah. to all the way through so it's like easier to go back to those than to be prone to listen to I mean like except for us that we like yeah. have to listen to <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. <Forced> right. Music, <laughs> yeah. but I mean for like the average person I mean just having to go to a new album is it's like more difficult to yeah, do that. Even at the same it, time, yeah. remember
2: when you used to buy a record, you'd go buy a CD, especially yeah. at the height of CDs when they were so expensive. You were like, "I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to listen to it until it's good." And that <laughs> was kind of a weird relationship. We were going to shoehorn it into being good. Yeah. Where now you can just be like, "Look, I'm going to judge this on purely aesthetic grounds," and that's a
0: fun. I didn't I, yeah. like
1: this first time, and so right. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I paid eighteen dollars for I mean, this for this silver thing that is already scratched and skipping. Yeah. Um, I hate CDs. In the of our men, a solitary so our number one album was beyonce's lemonade our number two album was David Bowie's black star which is hard to talk about this album because it you know it, it basically came out and then uh, a few days later David Bowie promptly passed away and you know it it, it obviously gains a lot of I was gonna say unexpected resonance, but not really unexpected, because basically what um Tony Visconti told us, told me, is that Bowie certainly did not want to die. He was really trying to live, but he wanted Black Star just in case to be, you know, kind of an appropriate final album. But basically what happened was that you heard it, you realized that this was one of the greatest albums made by a veteran artist ever. And then, as you were as you were taking that in, <laughs> yeah. then you had to take in his death. So, I mean, I, overall, one of the most intense listening experiences of my entire life. It's also like fantastically creepy as, as the video. Also, I mean, mm-hmm. it was all this tons of like Alastair Crowley stuff that he was returning to, and but. You know, one of the things. There's so many things to say about this record. One of the things I have to say, and I, I like, I, I really like the Radiohead record, which is a number six. Moonshade pool, but I, in my opinion, David Bowie made a better Radiohead album than <laughs> than
2: Radiohead. <laughs> he made more of a rock Radiohead <laughs> album than yeah. Radiohead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but uh, it, it's he. This album would be number two. Uh, if he were alive and well And we certainly would prefer that This isn't kind of <laughs> This is far from a sympathy pick I remember First putting this on uh, I think it was You know The the first couple singles And Just literally laughing At how good they were mm-hmm. Because it's like I mean It's he, he, he His last album also was very good But I mean It's so rare for a guy At that point in their career To be making an album That is literally as good As their best work And not even in a Sort of grading on a curve way But just like Sounds totally current, totally essential, totally gripping and surprising, right? Well,
2: he was listening to, right up to, I mean, Bowie obviously always taking influence from what's happening throughout his entire life and always kind of fusing these things into what into, into his vision. And he was listening to the D'Angelo album that came out. He was listening to Kendrick Lamar. He was working with these kind of downtown jazz guys. He was just thinking in terms of the future as he was kind of officiating this his his own death basically his own this this event he was kind of projecting into what music will be like and sort of moving music ahead even up to the very last minute of his life and you can hear that on this record it's it's it is
0: it's it's incredible it's an incredible record mm-hmm. i mean i would say that you know we have a bunch we have some albums by veteran artists on this list so we have david bowie at number 2 we have the new wrong stones album blue and lonesome at number 7 and that's a Super fun, super surprising album where they that they recorded in three days. So you can read we, we had them on the show um, a couple of weeks ago, and you can go hear them talk about them recording it. But uh, you know it's a blues album recorded super spontaneously It sounds very alive, and you literally can't tell at points what year it is. You well, really no, that's can, the, you it's, know? it's
2: it's it, it really could be 1962, and you think of these guys are making right you know Chicago blues. It's like you know Howlin' Wolf and Little Walter and things like that, and you think of them. These are the records they talked about when they met each other. Right. Like when they like mm-hmm. on the bus and they're like, what do you like? It's like, I've got these records. Can I come over to your place and hear them? I mean, these are records they've like been living with now their entire lives. And now they're twice as old as the guys who made the records. So right. there's a sense when they're kind of like battling it out with these songs about like, you know, love and betrayal and sort of, you know, they've got this, this wisdom To their performances, that I think you know, even though it sounds 50 years ago and raw and really raw, surprisingly raw. Like when I heard Don Was was producing, I was a little nervous, but it turns out to be a real raw record. Um, They're bringing this kind of like veteran, not just veteran—that's his musical skill, but but uh, emotional kind of ballast to these songs.
1: I think that's such a difficulty for a lot of. Artists who have careers as long as the Stones have, or Bowie—I mean—negotiating your history without repeating it is mm-hmm. very, is a very difficult thing to attempt to do. And I think looking at Blue and Lonesome, and looking at Black Star, and for Bowie, looking at the next day, which was his comeback album after his hiatus, and like looking at the way he negotiated his past, and looking at the way the Stones negotiate their love for the blues, and I mean, covering these blues songs and turning them into something new and. Looking to the future with that history, sort of balancing it out. Yeah, really I mean, another that's
2: that's absolutely true. And the other example of that, I think, is the Paul Simon record, mm-hmm. where he kind of is incorporating elements of things. I mean, there's there's like there's 60s folk on it. There's African there's Afro pop on it. There's uh you know there, he references his old songs on the record. Um, there's there's you know it's it's kind of reinterpreting your own history uh, throughout. You know he's t- you know it's 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 there's that. Is equally hard to do and, and he does that extremely well on this
0: record. I think we put it at 12 in- Yes, number 12 is Paul Simon stranger to stranger I mean, I, I would say that you know, I, I prefer the uh, the previous Paul Simon record Which is I thought just incredible I thought that was like sort of in the black star range of like wow This is as good as you know your best stuff and I think this one's very good, too but in general right I mean I think people people give Rolling Stone flack for Um, for even kind of including some of these older artists. And I will say that there's a legit, in my opinion, a legitimate ageism in uh, popular music discourse. Um, I, I think that there's an assumption that basically... It's very unlike. There was some headline on a website that will go unnamed as like "LOL Paul Simon's alive and he made an album and it's actually not bad." And it's like, no, you know, it's like basically like, screw you. Like, why would you assume that a Paul Simon couldn't make a great record? Like, that is there is a reason. It's called ageism. You assume that there's this, a period of relevance and then basically you should just go away or just play your old so- songs. And I and I really, really think that you know one of the things, if anything, you know, uh, the fact that we recognize these albums can now. Serve as a little bit of a corrective, um, yeah. And so. all these
2: records deal—they're not afraid of that topic. They all talk about mortality. Mm-hmm. Like right. the Leonard Cohen one is, is kind of an anti-matter <laughs> version of Black Star. It's like he's right <laughs> while he was—you know—he's like it's the same thing. And they're all the the Simon record mentions it a, a, a number of times. It's like, look, I get it, but like I have I have a lot of ideas and I have a wisdom I, I've I've accrued over these many decades, and it, you know they're not trying. Like the, I think the problem in sort of other you know some of these t- guys like if, whether it was Dylan or whoever in the in the, in the the 80s or maybe the 90s were trying to be contemporary there's there's even when Paul Simon is is working with artists who are 50 years younger than he is or f- whatever there's no, there's not a sense of trying to follow any kind of trend. There's just a sense mm-hmm. of taking the music around them that they like and hear and music they. The Paul Simon record is influenced by Harry Parch, who was pre-rock,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but it's but it's also got a you know electronic music on it. So it's 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 incorporating an organic sense of the of of your
0: world. Well, well fascinatingly, right? Uh, uh, Paul, both Paul si- Paul Simon, Leonard Cohen, uh, and David Bowie's record are all like arguably hipper sounding than the Green Day album, <laughs> which is which is also on our list at number fourteen. Uh, you know, these guys are like super older, and two cases literally not around anymore. And they but they were willing to, you know, embrace there's tons of like really elaborate and inventive sampling work on the Paul Simon record. Um tons of I mean you just heard on on Bowie's Black I mean he was doing he was using something like Melodyne slash autotune to do harm these mm-hmm. artificial harmonies, which is very much in the vein of you know, of Kanye or whatever, mm-hmm. to, you know, or... or- you know, or, or Bon Iver or whatever. So it, it's just kind of funny. And then I mean, and Green Day is like I think the f- is is just a solid kind of rock album. And and but there's know, a pleasure it, in yeah. that too. Of especially course. now, I mean, it's yeah. like it's
2: just not happening anymore. It's like they went back to the music that people tend. To, but you know, actually, there's there's something about that too. Where like you know, it sounds a little more like Dookie. It's like them mm-hmm. Green Day being Green Day. But there's also a sense on. The, I mean, he's talking about his life. He's talking about struggles he's had. He's talking about a sense of like kind of political things. And the music incorporates classic rock more than it used to. It, there's Absolutely. one song that kind of sounds like REM. There's yeah. a '70s kind of back Almost like yeah. you know, they're also sort of taking whatever their personal history is. I mean, it's dialing back 30 years, um, but I think that there's uh, there's and they're, 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 along with the basic pleasure of just like hearing a good rock album.
0: Yeah, yeah well, th- don't forget, I mean, Dookie is now as old as like Who's Next was when Dookie yeah. came out. There's a point I <laughs> made. Yeah. I mean, which is you know, well, still trying to get my head around that. And also,
1: it's uh, really special is both of Billy Joe Armstrong's sons also released really excellent music this year, um, which is just like a really cool idea of like he released this album and then also his son's house
2: yeah that swimmer's record is good yeah and, like it's it's kind of funny that mm-hmm. that would work out that
0: way yeah and the other son who's a uh, jacob, who's danger. J- jacob yeah. danger i think i like even better yeah like, really, really like garagey cool yeah. stuff i want to go back to like sort of number 25 and, and count down a little bit uh so we have at number 25 we had uh, rihanna with Auntie and I kind of anti and we kind of talked a little bit about my ambivalence about Rihanna as album artist. What, okay. what do you think, though? I love this album. Yeah. I go
1: back to it so much more than I thought I would. Um, and it has
0: yeah.
2: good single. I mean, works with right. yeah. like yeah. A "Kiss song.
1: It Better." Yeah, "Kiss It Better." I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, some of the indulgences though feel after years of being like giving a single after single after single they seem earned it's like it's a fun it's a, it's a, it's, it's, a Tame it's, Impala
1: cover yeah that's great
2: I love that yeah. it's like
0: it's fun to see her take advantage of this the Tame Impala uh, karaoke No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But it's, laughs> you know what I mean I mean she she, took, she like, yeah. like, <laughs> Rihanna did a ballsy thing which is she just took the I mean you know not took uh, like, but basically like used the original track and just sang over yeah. more or less which is an interesting kind of a cool <laughs> funny way to do a cover Um, anyway uh, so then at number 20 Drive by Truckers, American band, a fun straight-ahead rock album that that really snuck up on me. Um, I think I actually really like that. Uh, Mitsuki, Puberty Two, which is another like very different kind of rock album, but certainly one of the best guitar records of the year.
1: Yeah, and my favorite single from the year is Your Best American Girl, and I love that album too.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Bonnie "Ver," uh, which is a a tough one for me. I'm still kind of deciding whether it's interesting. Whether it's just interesting or actually good, <laughs> what, what do you? Guys it's do? a tough one. I, you know, I was listening
2: to it, listening to it today a little bit, and um, you know what he's doing. You're right. It's like trying to make his version of kind of a futurist pop album is 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 a nice idea, and there are moments on it. It's definitely like you can. I'd say the album of, of on this list to put on while you're reading would be <laughs> kind of like compared to the The rest of these records seem to kind of jump at you, but this is definitely kind of a.
0: Uh, low key affair, I guess. I, I think it'd be too distracting while I'm reading. There's a lot of like weird shit on that album, which is good, but uh, you know. Um, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. I mean, uh, da- I, I really like the Danny Brown record. There's there's some there's some really great stuff on it. There's one single in on that that's that's truly fantastic. A uh, kind of a like a, a, a group song that that is really good. Uh, and then 1975, I really like. I actually got in an argument with Mick Jagger about it because I said I like them, but I think they're basically just in excess, and he he felt that was too reductive. So anyway, he really Mick Jagger. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was sort of kidding, but, but, you know, I, but then I realized that it's very interesting because what does in excess symbolize in the Mick Jagger mind? Because that, that that was obviously a sort of a competitive Mick Jagger. Yeah. Right? And that, so anyway, but but I was like, well, you know, that's a compliment. But, but anyway, I, I, do, I do like that record. Sounds like you do too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I
1: definitely love the sprawling experimental stuff that we talked about with like Frank Ocean and Solange kind of on there, but a lot of like great pop rock.
0: Yeah, uh, and and the world is, is a little bit short on that on the moment, so we need it. Um, and uh, Park Quartz, Courts, uh, a Dolan favorite, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the one of the
2: probably the best indie rock band of this of the last few years. Um, after making lots lots of music really quickly, a few putting out a few albums, and with you know teeming with ideas. And they kind of I felt this record kind of slowed down a little bit and had them kind of think about their lives and it kind of getting a little older, talking about New York, talking about relationships. It's a, it's got a, kind of a Dylan Lou Reed kind of quality to it I, I, I really uh, it didn't jump
0: out as much at, at
2: me as much as other records had but it ends up kind of growing more mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Miranda Lambert at number 16 The Weight of These Wings yeah uh, and it, it's kind of it's a really ambitious kind of bro- post-breakup album right
1: yeah really incredible double album I was very shocked at how well everything just worked together and I mean for the length of that album every song is really solid.
0: I love that we still have an idea of a double album as if yeah. that really means anything you know what I mean like it's just like I'm surprised that there aren't more like sort of seven hour albums yeah. like, like for streaming you know. Like, well, there like, was the,
2: that Grateful Dead thing it's yeah. five hours long there's a right. Grateful Dead tribute this year there was five hours of Grateful Dead yes, covers. right so
0: that, that's what I'm saying I, I think that you know th- but yeah there will be a t- someone's going to make a statement yeah. and it's, it's like this album is 5 hours long you better sit and <laughs> good eat, luck yeah. one track good luck yeah yeah <laughs> do you have the strength to listen to my album it is funny though yeah. the way she conceives it like there's there's albums with just as
2: many songs but she puts like if you look at us it, on like on right. spotify it was, like 1 2 there's two albums you're supposed to think of it that way you're supposed yeah. Yeah. to be saying get the vinyl
0: totally <laughs> right uh she, she's such a hipster um and and, uh, and level up which is like band that came out of nowhere for me that's a fun band it is yeah. it is taking like the,
2: again like the, you know the thing in indie rock and kind of underground rock has been 90s you know, neo 90s. And they kind of do that. They sound like Neutral Milk Hotel and built to spill in bands from that era, but they give it an emotional urgency that's. Definitely their own. They're kind of the the new park the upstart of your rock band of the year. I think you'd say, yeah.
0: <laughs> They're this generation's right, courts. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Like, the thing with part courts is I don't, I, don't I, I get mad when they said like they they won't play their one like mildly insanely mildly successful songs because like uncool people enjoyed it too much. I was like, come on, oh. come on, stop it. Well, there's <laughs> and, something there's something quaint about that kind of orneriness. It's kind of like the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me it makes me want to like yeah no 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 screw that. Um, but uh, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Yeah, I, I that that's mind blowing to me, um, and so we talked about Green Day at number fourteen, and I, and I do, you know, I I really like the there's little bits of. I found out that he's a Got It By Voices fan, and there you can actually hear that a little bit. They actually share some. It's weird. There's 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 some sense that he's like an alternate universe Robert Pollard or something. There's there's like there's like, <laughs> there's, like, there's, like there's like a little bit. They they share. I think some of the same influences. It's really interesting. I'd love to get those yeah, guys together. Who, for sure. You're yeah, right. Anthemic yeah.
2: rock. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway. Um. And then number thirteen is an album. I will fully admit in public. I still have not heard a note of, but I'm excited to hear it because you guys love it. It's by a country artist named uh, Marin Morris, and it's called Hero. And uh. And I, and I'm I'm assuming you you guys didn't just make this up this is a real album by a real artist yes yes
2: it's it's not a kid's (laughs) movie yeah it's a real life it's a real life thing named more. it is like you know country's been trying to look at nashville i think has been looking for this golden mean between kind of like it's a little rock it's a little pop it it, it, it understands that r&b and hip-hop have happened um it's got guitars this is so well done in that regard it's got all that stuff the songs are incredibly
0: catchy they're funny yeah um it's just a one it's a great record and uh, just jumping around, we have we have Young Thugs Jeffrey and Number Ten. And I just really love that. Yeah, I really love yeah. this record. I personally lobbied really hard to make sure it was on the yeah. list and high on the list. It's just so good. I, I just don't understand how he does what he does because it's like Future, who already is super spontaneous. He's like the even more s- spontaneous Future. It just seems to like pour out of him. Yeah. So the and, only
1: artist I would allow to have a song called Harambe, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's like
2: a great song. Too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so we we've been talking. About the uh, best albums of 2016, uh, you should check out our new issue that has that, and download us at, our, at RollingStone.com/podcasts, and listen to us next week on Friday at 1 p.m.